Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj Kalia. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, December 28, 2021. Winding down here, a couple more days left in the week. Uh, we off on Friday, so hope everybody's doing well, staying on track, staying focused. Um, having a good, you know, having a good day wherever you're listening from. As always, thank you for listening. It's been an incredible year. Um, winding down to the end, and you know, obviously, it's been a, a lot of little milestones this year. Um, hopefully, I'll try to shake things up a little bit and keep this going into the new year, and see how long I go with this. Um, it's been pretty, uh, pretty special. Obviously, just doing this uh, since I've been doing it. Uh, as always, you can uh, continue to uh, listen on other podcast platforms. Uh, you know. Obviously, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public Overcast. Wherever you can look, you'll, you'll definitely find a, a listing of Real Sports Talk by Naraj Kalia. Um, and on a few of my pages, you'll see a couple of uh, um, options for supporting the podcast. I just give it out there just to, you know, put something there, you know, as it is. Uh, so, definitely check that out and uh, definitely do keep on sharing and... Uh, spreading it out uh, appreciate that so today's episode we're going to get a couple of things we're going to talk a little bit about uh, last night it's Monday Night Football game I'll get into a little bit about Joe Johnson what he's been up to um, in a sense coming back and you know being in the NBA and playing, you know since his retirement and coming back in and playing basketball and I'll also get into some of the teams that in the Eastern Conference, a few teams that have been disappointing up to this point in the season. And then after that, I will tackle and preview uh, the college football uh, 2021 semifinal playoff games between Alabama and Cincinnati, as well as Michigan and, Michigan and uh, Georgia, and make my... Uh, you know predictions for those games as well as well as covering out a couple of things as well um, in that area so let's get started um, with uh, a couple of comments um, that I just want to get into yesterday regarding Matt Rule um, obviously Matt Rule second year um, the Panthers obviously hasn't gone, uh, gone as planned you know he's obviously had a tough situation with and not having McCaffrey, but also he hasn't gotten the best out of his offense. There's been a lot of inconsistencies with the two-quarterback system. And obviously we know that Sam Darnold started this year. And then Cam Newton came into the mix. Um, and so the Panthers have been really trying to find a way to get back on track. They started out great, have slipped down since. And obviously, you know, fans obviously not happy with the losing streak they've been on. They've lost five straight or so games. And... You know, Matt Rule had made some comments, uh, you know, in the post game regarding you know, comparing the team struggles to Jay Z and his entertainment agency, uh, Rock Nation. You know, talking about it took it, you know, seven years to become a big time thing. You know, um, and it's just, you know, I mean, obviously coaches can say what they want to say, and you know, it sounds a little bit odd for that comparison, just because you look at Jay Z and where Matt Rule is. I mean, Matt Rule. You know, pretty much saying, hey, you know, I got seven years to turn this thing around. You know, obviously a lot of coaches aren't giving that luxury in the NFL to have that long to turn around a program. You know, some of the best, obviously, are given that because they've proven it time and time over again. Now, obviously, Matt Rule's been, 
having some injuries with his team and you know they've looked a little bit out of sorts at times um but that's a really interesting comparison that Marvel made I mean you know obviously you are in a seven-year deal for 62 million so you know obviously he's thinking that you know he's you know to talk about seeing progress and seeing these little things and it all sounds great but it doesn't change the fact that the Panthers are headed again for another um, you know losing season and so you know you're Matt Rule talking about you know compared to Jay-Z and the struggle and the process I mean look Jay-Z still had his moments where he showed something of progress despite all the odds um, so you're Matt Rule I mean you gotta first figure out that quarterback situation alright and you're last in the division okay the Atlanta Falcons have proven to be much better uh, than you this season so you know something's gotta change for Matt Rule's gotta address that quarterback position which he had opportunity to possibly draft a quarterback in Justin Fields which he did not um, alright then offensive coordinator Joe Brady's had his struggles as late um, you know so obviously it'll be a big third year for Matt Rule next year uh, I really think that he needs to step it up. I've been saying it throughout the season. Uh, they obviously have not delivered a whole lot uh, so far to this point. So hopefully he turns it around, or else you know he's not going to be able to last that seven year, seven years that he thinks that he might have. Um, it all comes down to which quarterback do they get, and how do they go about addressing that in the off season? Because that seems to be the biggest question uh, for the Panthers: is how do they move forward? the quarterback position and whether they do what does Matt Rule do when he has everything that he needs uh, although teams always try to get where they can but you gotta sometimes make do what you got and so far Matt Rule hasn't been able to do so so we'll find out we'll find out a lot about Matt Rule and what he can do um, coming up uh, in the near future so as for the game yesterday between the Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints uh, Miami was able to win 20 to 3 you know over the Saints you know I felt like the Saints were gonna make this a uh, you know tough one and maybe get a win but with all the number of uh, you know cases and things like that the Saints just really just never got it going uh, Iron Book obviously did not have a good you know starting uh, point in this game you know obviously his first NFL game had that pick six early on. They saw this Tua and Jalen Waddle, you know, connect on a few plays, and uh, Miami all of a sudden um, sits right there eight and seven. I have to say that I thought the Miami Dolphins were out of it early on. I thought that Brian Flores was having struggles and maybe was looking a little tough, but they have turned it around and uh, proven a lot of people wrong. Uh, I think they're the first team in NFL history to have a seven-game losing streak and a seven-game win streak. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's what's what's out there is that they've won a number of games in a row. They're right there behind the Chiefs with the longest win streak, uh, I think, so far this season. And you gotta give them credit. I mean, they had those injuries, yes, but you know, Tua came back and they've done a good job of getting some wins here and there. Now, albeit some of the wins they got were against some teams that you know were. Uh, you know, in the middle of the pack or a little bit better than 500, but, you know, they got the wins, and all of a sudden, Miami sits right there uh, with Baltimore, with the Chargers, um, with the Colts, with the Bengals, like, very close there, 
you know, so Miami has a real shot to make it happen now. They have two games left to play, Tennessee and New England, and that will be the defining point of the season is how do they finish out and where do the chips fall in terms of which, you know, which teams step up or teams go out. Because it seems like, you know, if all the teams win out, it's going to be very interesting to see based on the tiebreaker record of the conference record, the division record, who gets in. Um, but Miami gives them a great chance, um, you know, to, to really make a run for it. And I have to admit, uh, I mean, I have to roll out the tape on this one, too. I'm not sure why I picked up Miami to be the record-wise. But for them to obviously drop seven and then win seven in a row, it's pretty wild. And they are sitting in a spot where they're going to need some help maybe to get in. Um, but they definitely have a matchup next week against Tennessee that really is going to be interesting to watch. And obviously the game against New England and Week 18 will be a crucial one. So, you know, Miami's done whatever they can to get back in position. Their defense, their offense seem to play a lot better. And the Saints didn't have a whole lot of answers on offense, right? Alvin Kamara wasn't able to get a whole lot of touches and be effective uh, as need be. And Ian Booker just struggled to move the ball quite a bit. So... Hopefully the Saints get to some help back because the Saints also are in a situation where they're seven and eight and they gotta win I think two games to get in or need to get two wins and then get help in terms of like an Eagles loss or a Vikings loss or a Niners loss potentially. Um, so it's still up to up for you know up for play uh, in terms of what could happen down the stretch, but you know, the Saints definitely uh, just did not have an offense yesterday that was able to do anything significant in this game. So hopefully they'll turn that around and, and, and get it get it going because they got a big home game against the Panthers next week and then they are on the road at Atlanta. Um, so we'll really see how they finish out and whether or not they'll have a chance to to maybe make it in postseason. So now I want to transition and talk about um, Joe Johnson um, and people do not know Joe Johnson obviously had a really good NBA career. Um, one of those players that obviously did not win that big one in the NBA as a championship, but uh, Joe Johnson was really a special player uh, coming out. Obviously, he was drafted, uh, I think, back in the top 10 2001 NBA draft. And he played for obviously Boston early on, Phoenix, Miami, Brooklyn. Uh, he had his moments, a seven-time All-Star in the league. And I think he's 40 years old now, and I think he retired in 2018 and joined the Big Three League, which is you know, obviously founded by Ice Cube. And Joe Johnson's been able to kind of do a lot since he's retired from the NBA, joined the Big Three Basketball League. Uh, I think he was you know, had an incredible run or so last few seasons in the Big Three the league with the team that he's played for. Um, I think he won an MVP and also won a title um, with the team as well. So, you know, he's found his ways to still play some basketball, hoop it up a little bit, you know, and uh, show what he's got, you know, obviously. And he just got signed, you know, to a 10-day contract because the Celtics obviously had a lot of cases going on and kind of came in and had his, like, you know, one of those moments where, you know, I saw Joe. Um, but, you know, tremendous player that just really um, uh, has played well throughout his entire NBA career. And even post-NBA career, he's been able to do a lot of good things. You know, the big three, obviously winning a couple of, um, 
yeah, championships. But more importantly, you know what he's been doing post basketball career is pretty pretty uh, interesting, and that different thing is worth bringing up. Obviously, I think Joe Johnson when he started, you know, when he was playing the NBA, you know, there were instances where he started to get you know interested in um, you know hot yoga, and you know, uh, you know that's something that obviously you know he was really interested in um, during that time and. I think he is in the midst right now of starting his own business, um, and you know, obviously, NBA players, a lot of uh, you know, sport athletes do a lot of things to kind of keep themselves, you know, in the flow, keep them energized, and you know, it's just all about you know, what do you do after your basketball career, and what do you do in a middle basketball career, and you know, Joe Johnson has been, um, you know, getting in, into that. You know, he is starting a business here where you know he's focused on the benefits of it obviously the practice of it as well and he talked about just you know being able to get all you know get all that negative energy out and just kind of bring that to the black community and even more people to kind of you know and get a little invested in hot yoga in terms of like being able to do it and just have the experience and fun of doing it obviously and you know more so just about a way of him being able to you know Spread the message and keep people more like you know calm and pressure. You know, it's all about bringing kind of that kind of peace, that energy, uh, that flow that kind of gives you the ability to kind of you know, take a deep breath and do all these kind of things. And so you know, it's great for for Joe Johnson. I think it's a pretty good initiative he's trying to do. Obviously, trying to you know rent out you know places in Atlanta and you know bring obviously these free hot yoga classes to people. And you know, it's just one of the things that I think. In terms of what it's going to do for a lot of people is obviously, you know, bring them into a little bit more of concentrating and having that kind of flow and energy. Like I said, players do a lot of things to kind of keep themselves uh, going. And even athletes, you know, a lot of athletes have started businesses after their, their careers. And I think for Joe Johnson, this is one that, you know, he knows that, you know, it's something that's a new idea to a lot of people. Um, but, you know, obviously he's you know, work with some people throughout the, you know, these past few years, and, you know, he's been obviously acting on social media, promoting this as well, trying to get it to be more of a, um, you know, a a common thing to people, so, you know, he's talked about the experiences he's had so far of being able to do it, and what it's brought to him, and I think that, you know, it's good to see that, and hopefully he'll continue to kind of be successful in building this, you know, business out, and also being able to still you know, help a lot of people, like, uh, along the way in terms of being able to focus their energy in the right places and maybe be, be do better in some aspects and even, you know, progress in some areas as well. Um, so I want to cap this segment off uh, by just talking about three of the Eastern Conference teams this season that have been very disappointing. And I know, I want to put in the proper context, obviously, a lot of teams have dealt with a whole lot of, you know, COVID cases and, you know, health and safety protocols, so fully aware of that. It's been a very challenging month or so for the NBA, and obviously they want to continue to push through it. Um, so I'm going to list my three teams here that have been pretty disappointing, um, and obviously there's a number of teams that I can go with, and obviously I... So once again, I emphasize, I know a lot of these teams have been dealing with, you know, changes and you know, coaches being out and players being out, but, you know, the record obviously speaks for itself sometimes, and despite those cases and those things, the teams have kind of really underperformed so far this season. 
So the first team I'm going to say that has been pretty disappointing is Indiana Pacers. Now Rick Carla obviously comes back now to Indiana after a number of years, and I know it's going to take time for him to build out a proper roster and everything with Indiana. But you know, they're 14 and 20 um, overall in the season. I feel like they should be better uh, than you know some of the teams that are ahead of them. You know, maybe even the Hornets probably. Um, you know. Uh, you look at the Washington Wizards, you know, so Indiana's got a lot of nice young talent on their team. We know that Miles Turner and Sabonis, they've been up there. You know, Malcolm Brogdon obviously has had a couple of moments. He's been out obviously doing the Achilles and everything like that. Uh, but this team is talented. They have young players in Lavert. Um, obviously, I think Chris Duarte is there. Um, you know, they have some players on this roster and Tory Craig. Um, you know, that just, you know, you just want to see the Pacers kind of play a little bit better. You know, they are 3-13 and 13 away uh, on the road this season. And that has to improve. That's the thing with Indiana is that their, their offense, their defense isn't traveling as well on the road. And Rick Carlisle obviously, you know, had to miss some time, no doubt, early on in the season because of, you know, COVID. But... Indiana's got a lot of talent that needs to start showing some progress, some development. Uh, they've been, you know, they're five and five in the last ten games overall. Um, you know, defensively have to be better. You just want to see more consistency from Levert and Sabonis and Miles Turner. And who knows, some of these players might be on the move at the trade deadline. Uh, but Pacers, you know, they brought back Rick Carlisle. Um, you know, and obviously he's, you know, he hasn't had a couple of his players, no doubt, this season. Uh, I think T.J. Warren is still out, um, but the Pacers got to find a way to, to put together a, a much better win streak than they've been doing lately. You know, it's been a lot of on and off games, and they got to find a way to turn it, turn it around and start being a little more competitive. Obviously, it won't be, it won't happen in one year for Rick Carlisle, Indiana, but you want to see this young talent under him kind of develop a little bit more, be better in some areas. Um, and they got to start winning some games and getting back on track if they want to have a chance to play, um, you know, in the play-in tournament later this NBA season. The next team that has been a little bit disappointing um, as far as the Boston Celtics. Now, I know Boston has a first-year head coach and Emi, you know, Yudoka. But Boston, like I said, Boston's had a number, you know, they've had the talent, uh, at, you know, with Tatum and Brown and Smart. Uh, they obviously are the three longest Celtic players there, and Celtics have been a little bit inconsistent. You know they've struggled to win some games. Their bench has been on and off a little bit. You know, but they've lost I think six of nine recently. Yeah, Tatum's you know in the protocols, and you know that's you know that's obviously something that you know is tough. But look at Emi Yudoka. I mean, you just want to see the Celtics kind of play a little bit better and get over 500. They've been kind of stuck in that moment where they've been, you know, shuffling around and they've win some games in a row and they kind of lose some games in a row. But is what is carrying the Celtics team. Um, but more than ever, I think you look at Marcus Smart. I mean, he has to do a lot more uh, than he's done ever before in his career because obviously he is one of those players that's been there longer and obviously he got the extension and you know, you just want to see Marcus Smart even play much better than he's looked, um, you know, recently. Obviously, Shooter's been out a little bit, um, but the Celtics, you know, they have a team that 
Obviously, Brad Stevens is kind of making decisions now. So, you just want to see the Celtics get better. Their depth has to pick up a little bit. Um, the, st- you know, the coaching style for Emi Yudoka is still coming through. Um, but I think overall, you just want to see Jalen Brown, you know, even do much better. Obviously, you know, had an injury last year and has been dealing with a lot of things going on. So, the Celtics are a team that has been pretty experienced in some areas and they have a coach now that they absolutely you know believe in us is a new voice after a number of years so you know you just want to see now them kind of start producing some games in a row that they can get back over over 500 and start figuring out some of the key pieces on their on their on their unit second unit as well because that's going to be obviously tested a lot more as the season goes on and the third team that has been really disappointing this far this NBA season is the New York Knicks. The Knicks uh, obviously had a great year last year. Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year. The Knicks obviously got to a first-round playoff series. They obviously didn't go as planned. Uh, but the Knicks have, you know, kind of... They started out 5-3 and three this season, have really slipped down. Uh, this has been a struggle defensively. Uh, there's been a lot of inconsistencies with the Knicks. They've given up a lot of, you know... They've allowed teams to score a lot of points against them this season. Um, RJ Barrett has been out for the past week or so. Randall's kind of been on and off. Kind of his shot making and decision making has been a little bit poor recently. You know, so you know it's been a struggle for the Knicks. They haven't found that consistency at the guard position. You know, Kemba Walker obviously did get benched early on the season. Uh, he's obviously back now in the mix because Derrick Rose is out with an ankle surgery. So Kemba did look good recently and. That's obviously a good sign, but the Knicks need Tom Thibodeau to step it up as well. I mean, he has not been at his best. Some guys haven't played a whole lot of minutes. You're just hoping that the quick, you know, the the, the guys and Emmanuel quickly and open top and will start producing. That's the key for the Knicks, right? They they just have to find a way to get better in terms of being more consistent. Um, their offense has struggled at times. You know, Evan Fournier um, has got to pick it up a little bit. Um, but the Knicks are under 500 right now, and they were one of those teams that you felt like, based on last year, that they could probably get back in the mix and be right there at the top five. Instead, you have Cleveland ahead of you, you have Chicago ahead of you, so something has to start picking up with the Knicks. I mean, Mitchell, you know, Mitchell Robinson has to start playing even more better. Um, you know, but you just want to see the ball movement be better. You want to see some some young guys step up and produce. And Tom Tibbetts has to find a way to push more of the right buttons on this team you know because they you know they've been struggling no doubt and so hopefully RJ Barrett comes back healthy and you know you'll see the coaching kind of be better in some areas it's going to have to be better the Knicks want to turn around and get back in the top five top six uh, seeding this in Eastern Conference this season So I want to cap off today's episode by getting into um, the college football playoff final games taking place on New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2021. Obviously the best four teams in action on Friday. Uh, it's going to be really exciting, obviously big for these universities, no doubt, uh, as they try to book their tickets to the national championship game. And look at Alabama, they have been here. 
more than anybody, I would say, in the college football playoff, ever since the era of the college football playoff started. Alabama has been right there in the mix. Um, you know, obviously, Georgia's had its, uh, you know, had a run back then, a couple of years ago, I believe. Um, Cincinnati and Michigan are obviously new to this a little bit. Um, and it remains to be seen how these teams will all kind of fare when the games get going. And, you know, obviously look at Jim Harbaugh, look at Nick Saban. Nick Saban, obviously, one of the best coaches, if not the best, greatest coach in college football. Um, you look at Jim Harbaugh, you know, like Kirby Smart. And you have, obviously, head coach Luke Fickle, who is obviously... Um, has made history in his own way with Cincinnati being one of those non-Power 5 schools to finally make it to the college football playoffs. Um, so, a lot of intrigue, a lot of uh, you know excitement, obviously, uh, with three teams that, you know, outside of Alabama that definitely are looking to make some noise and uh, it's going to be really important. Obviously, these matchups, head-to-head matchups are going to be looked at a lot, you know. Uh, you also have the case where you know, some of these star quarterbacks, some of these star running backs, wide receivers will really get a, sh- a chance and it'll showcase their talent, possibly playing their final games, possibly, or, you know, for next season. So it's going to be uh, really a combination of a lot of things. Um, so, you know, you look at the matchups, obviously, you have Alabama versus Cincinnati, and you got Georgia and Michigan, and all these teams obviously finished on different notes in the season, and you know, it's just all about now who can kind of play better and execute better and get it done um, when it's crunch time. So the first matchup that I want to preview um, for the college football playoffs this year is between number one Alabama, number four Cincinnati. Now look at Cincinnati; they've obviously uh, have not been in this position ever in their program history. You know, uh, they are going to be an underdog in this game obviously both teams are trying to take that label of underdog in this game but Cincinnati you literally look at it the uh, whole thing about Cincinnati is that you know they've had an impressive couple of years where they've you know they've won a majority of their games and obviously last year they came up short to Georgia I think in the Peach Bowl um, you know so you know Cincinnati has been coming Luke Fickle has done a tremendous job of being able to build this program and get them in a position where they could get some great talent, you know, and then obviously the, the development uh, came along. And Desmond Riddler has had an impressive run as Cincinnati quarterback. Uh, and this is likely his final, or maybe not, remains to be seen. This could potentially be his final game as a Cincinnati Bearcat. Um, and he's obviously progressed from year to year being able to have one of his best seasons here at the end. Um, I think having almost 30 touchdowns. Um, so it's a lot of excitement for Cincinnati, but look at this matchup. They obviously are unproven. Um, you know, they're not as battle-tested as Alabama, but they do have a great offense, a great team that has played some good football. You know, they did beat Notre Dame earlier this year. You know, they beat a Houston team that was getting hot at the right time. Um, so that's what they can hang their hat on, and they're going to need a lot of that um, positive energy and momentum against an Alabama team that has been there. Obviously, Alabama has been so great on our next save in year to year, 
every time you think that the tide are out of it, they find a way to jump back in. You know, when they got that first loss, you felt like, oh, that might be their chance. But other teams fell, and Alabama kept on winning in dominant fashion. Bryce Young picked it up, and Bryce Young did win the Heisman you know, Trophy Award. And, you know, he has been one of the best quarterbacks uh, this season, and I believe he'll he'll be you know under center again for Alabama next season. Um, so they got a lot to like uh, about him, and I think you look at Desmond Riddler, you know Desmond Riddler, Bryce Young, both obviously are exciting quarterbacks, and both of them are gonna have to do a lot in this game. Um, you know, if not, both have to really deliver and make some big plays in their game. I think more so than anything, I think Desmond Riddler has to be the one to really do a whole lot. He needs to outplay Bryce Young in this game from the standpoint of, you know, Bryce Young has obviously a strong running game, a defense that has been coming on the last few weeks. And, you know, Cincinnati, they haven't played, you know, a whole lot of league competition. Their defense is pretty good, but Alabama's on another level in terms of what they can do. Um, and we know Alabama had those games earlier in the season where they kind of gave a lot of points and they still won, but, you know, just look at Cincinnati. I think, you know, they will have, you know, they'll do their best, but I think it's going to come down to Desmond Riddler. He's going to have to try to find a way to outplay Bryce Young um, in this game, knowing that Cincinnati has to do a lot in order to pull off this upset. Uh, so you look at it, I mean, Jerome Ford, Alex Pierce, there's some other names to watch, right, for, for Cincinnati. As for Alabama, I um, mean, obviously you want to see Jamison Williams continue to be a, a big portion of that, and obviously Brian Robinson as well. So it's going to come down to production for these teams, and Cincinnati is going to need a lot from Ford and Pierce, as well as Riddler, uh, to have a chance in this game. So, let me go with my keys for the Cincinnati Bearcats uh, to win this game. I think number one, uh, Desmond Riddler. He's got to be able to extend plays, extend drives with his mobility down the field. You know, it's all about finishing drives if you're Desmond Riddler in this offense. You want to see him obviously make some good throws. You're going to be against an SEC defense that likely will challenge you a little bit in some areas. They do have the physicality and speed to match up. So, you're Desmond Riddler. you got to... Extend some plays, keep the ball in your hands, make things happen. You know, be be efficient, um, but you gotta execute. Execute down there if you have a chance inside the Alabama 20-yard line, 25-yard line. Gotta execute. Gotta be smart and come away with, come away with points in this game. Then the second key for Cincinnati, their defense needs to slow Alabama up front. Uh, their Cincinnati's front four has to. Has to make some things happen. They have some incredible athletes who had some big year, you know, big uh, seasons this year. You know, you want to see their pass rush be even great, even more better than they've looked this season. Well, they cannot let Bryce Young get to his comfort spots down the field, in the middle of the field. Cincinnati's so got to tackle well, defend the sidelines, you know, make them earn those downs early on in the game. But don't not give don't not give out them of those big plays down the field or one or just two, three big plays. You gotta be able to contain Alabama and make them work your defense as much as possible to score. And then the third key for Cincinnati is really time possession and field position. You know, against Alabama and Nick Saban, the way that he plays, you know, it takes a perfect effort sometimes for a lot of these teams to to win. You know, it takes sometimes a perfect effort, um, and you know. 
I think if you're Cincinnati, knowing that Alabama can put up points really in, in an efficient and hot, in a quick manner, you want to be able um, to find a way to slow that down. You want to control the football, run the football, and keep things in your favor. But do not give Alabama a lot of cracks at it on offense. You want to limit this game as much as possible to being a one-score, two-score game because beyond that, your chances of winning are pretty slim. Now, as for Alabama and their three keys uh, to victory in this one, I think number one for Alabama, their defense has to be able to defend, you know, the versatility of Dustin Riddler. You know, you want to keep Riddler in the pocket, make him try to beat you with his arm. Um, obviously, Riddler has shown progress as a pocket passer this season, but you really want to make sure you keep him, keep him in the pocket. Um... You want to throw in a lot of different coverages and looks as a defensive coordinator, as a defense. You want to bring the pressure. You want to kind of bring the edge and the physicality uh, to him a little bit and see what he can do against your defense. But they cannot let him take over with his speed and his mobility in this game um, or else they'll be really uh, you know, worn out uh, in this game. The second key for the Alabama Crimson Tide, I would say, is Bryce Young to get off to a hot start. All right, we've seen Alabama do a great job of being able to, to get off to a hot start and, and really finish drives, all right? Against against Georgia in the SEC Championship game, they scored before the half, uh, before the first half ended, and they scored right out of the gate. So Bryce Young, you know, you want to be able to kind of work the pocket, you know, put pressure on Cincinnati down the middle, of the, uh, you know, you know, but you want to force a lot more energy from Cincinnati to, to you know, to tackle and commit. Uh, to stop things happening, so Bryce Young has to really have one of those performances which he's been having all season long. Really play, um, you know, off to a good start and getting Alabama up, up early, a lead in this game. And the third key for Alabama, I would say, is their position wide receivers and you know Williamson and Mitchie. Uh, you want to see big plays made by Alabama's you know wide receiving class. I mean, they have the ability to do so. Cincinnati had a pretty good defense this season. They've been able to really hold up and not give a big plays. But I think in this game, you need Alabama the wide receivers. You know, Jameson Williams has to be one of those guys who needs needs to find a way to to produce early on. Getting big plays, yards after the catch, will be key for Alabama. So I think you want to see a creative mix of these wide receivers getting involved in the Alabama offense, trick plays, end arounds. You want to throw type of plays so my prediction for this game I mean it's an exciting matchup it is a new matchup no doubt obviously uh, Cincinnati has a tough task ahead of them both teams have have played obviously pretty good this season in their own right Obviously, Cincinnati has been undefeated and they obviously haven't played as much as teams that Alabama has played in terms of competition um, if I had to go and pick with this game you know, I expect a good game between both teams. I really hope it's a good game between both teams. I do not want to see a blowout. Uh, I think with Cincinnati, I think they will find a way to make this game interesting. Uh, I think they'll keep it close. But having said that, I think Alabama's experience and they're you know they've been battle tested a lot this season, even trailing by points or you know scores in the season. I think experience comes up big time late in the second half. I think Cincinnati will play well. It'll be a close game. But I think Adam is going to take this victory 
by a couple of scores. Um, I think they will come up with some big plays offensively. Bryce Young, I think, will find a way to get it done late in the second half, and the Crimson Tide will uh, advance to the college football national championship game. Now, as for the second college football semifinal game, uh, is between number two Georgia and number three Michigan, and. Boy, this is going to be a very uh, exciting and interesting matchup for a lot of reasons. You look at two defenses that have been really good uh, this season. Georgia has been great all across the board in the top, I think, top of the country this this season in terms of their scoring defense. Michigan's had an incredible run, obviously, as well. Their defense has stepped it up lately with, obviously, those big wins against Ohio State. Um... You know, and then obviously against Iowa and Michigan's defense is pretty good. They have two great pass rushers. Obviously, Hutchison is one that has been already kind of, you know, in a lot of mock drafts and the one overall pick for the 2022 um, NFL draft. But both defenses have so much in this game um, that they can really do, and it's going to be exciting to see how how they all perform. Um, now look at Georgia; they kind of were the best team in college football. For the majority of the season, kind of hit a rough patch late in the season with, you know, a loss to Alabama in that SEC championship game, and you know they're hoping to get back on track and be better uh, this time as a defense and as an offense, being able to, um, you know, get it done and, and be better in this game. And obviously, Michigan, like I said, kind of some big wins. Uh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh, you know, finally broke through and. And, you know, he's, he and Kirby Smart head-to-head will definitely be looking, trying to outmaneuver each other in terms of, you know, strategy, coaching style, decision-making. It's going to be interesting to see how Jim Harbaugh handles this moment. You know, since, you know, Michigan obviously has found the right kind of balance this season. And, you know, how he will be able to kind of coach in this game will be really, really key uh, as, as to where, you know, this game might go. But no doubt both coaches are going to be aggressive, no doubt, early on in this game. And... You know, the scoring will come, I'm sure, uh, between both teams. But look at the quarterback battle between both teams. Obviously, for Georgia, you have Stenson Bennett. Uh, and for Michigan, you have Cade you know, McNamara. And I'm going to give a slight edge right now to Georgia's quarterback because I think he's been able to do a lot better in terms of passing the football and getting this offense on, on its note. So, you know, look at Cade McNamara. He does face a challenge in this Georgia defense. Um, but he definitely has the tools and the ability to make some plays when needed. And I think that will be very important in this game. Hassan Haskins for Michigan has been incredible. This is on the ground. You know, a lot of touchdowns has been really a huge part of Michigan's offense. And I think he will definitely have a lot of opportunities in this one. He's going to have to be big time, I think, for Michigan uh, to have have a you know have a win in this game. So, and look at Georgia on the other side, they're getting back one of their top wide receivers. Uh, their offense is going to be really challenging for Michigan in some aspects. And, you know, I think, look at the, you know, the, the wide receiver secondary matchup. is going to be one where a lot of the game might be decided in, in those matchups. So, I'm going to go with the keys for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, number one, I think the defense for Georgia has to force Cade. Uh, McAmeara to beat them with his passing ability in this game. You know, you want to see, um, you want to, you know, stop Hassan Haskins and, and force 
Cade McAmero to beat you with his arm, with his mobility in this game. You know, don't let the rush, rush attack for Michigan take over. Second key for Georgia, uh, Stenson Bennett has to be efficient in the pocket, make some good throws to you know Brock Bowers, George Hickens, you know Jermaine Burden. Stenson Bennett cannot turn the ball over. You know he had a couple of costly turnovers um, in the previous game. You know that they played. You know obviously a month ago or so. Um, you have to be better early on against the Michigan defense. Got to make quick throws, quick decisions. Don't let the pocket. Um, you know, don't let the pressure of the pocket get to you. You gotta stand there, make some good throws, um, and get the ball in your playmaker hands if you're Stenson Bennett. And then the third key for Georgia, uh, it's really gonna come down to them just being able to control time possession. Um, you know, you you want to wear down Michigan's pass rush. You know, throwing a lot of a mix of like screens and end arounds, but. You know, you want to keep Michigan's defense, um, you know, on the field a lot more and force them to commit extra people in the, in the box and produce those plays if you're Georgia. The keys for the Michigan Wolverines in this one, I think number one, Hassan Hankins has, has to be the key for Michigan. Give him the ball. Stay with the run game. Don't go away from it if, you, if you're Jim Harbaugh. You know, obviously you may have to pass the ball at some points in this game um, but ride Hassan Hanskins give him the ball as much as you can um, and let him do what he can do best you know in, in between the tackles power of football if you're Michigan second key I would say is from Michigan's defense they have a tall task obviously of being able to defend the Georgia offense but if you know obviously you want to get a pass rush going you want to pressure Stenson Bennett you want to make this offense being third and long situations you know don't let the easy completions happen you want to force um you know you want to force Stenson Bennett to make some aggressive throws some throws that are off in this game you know uh, but you got to tackle you got to stay disciplined and you can't give up the big play for Michigan's defense you got to be able to contain that much as possible and keep it in a, in a relatively good spot for your offense and I would say the final key uh, for Michigan is Cade McNamara. He's got to be really good in, in those key passing situations. He's going to have to deliver uh, in some opportunities, some plays in this game. So move the ball in Georgia's defense. Do whatever it takes. Uh, but don't take unnecessary sacks. Um, get out of the pocket. Make plays. Trust your wide receivers. Trust your tight ends if, you, if you're Cade McNamara. And offensively, you've got to find a way to get the ball in the end zone against Georgia inside the end zone uh, because Georgia's been really good defensively there um, a lot this season. So if you're Michigan um, and offensive coordinator, you know you want to be able to really have some good plays, get Key McAmara going uh, in this game with some quick throws, some good looks overall, and really make it count in those key situations. you got to pass the football. So I think this game will be a really good one as well. Uh, I expect this game actually to be a much tighter game probably than Alabama Cincinnati. Um, both defenses are pretty good at what they do. Um, so I think it will be a close game all the way through. Uh, I'm going to take Michigan to win this game. I think they're going to find a way to get it done some way, somehow. I think 
Michigan comes up with a couple more plays on defense. They find a way to run their offense pretty efficiently, make things happen, um, and they will get the victory over Georgia. I think it will be a tough one, no doubt, uh, but I like Michigan and Jim Harbaugh to find a way to win this game late and and get the big win and advance to take on Alabama uh, in the national championship game. So I got Alabama and Michigan as my pick for the final of the college playoffs. We'll see if that matchup comes to true. If it does, it'd be a great matchup. Um, obviously, like I said, Cincinnati and Georgia, both tremendous teams who played each other last year. Um, you know, so anything could happen, obviously. I wouldn't mind seeing a Cincinnati-Georgia national final, but the matchup of Alabama and Michigan, to me, is one that I would really love to see um, to cap off this college football uh, season.